Awesome. Why don't we pray before we head into the Word this morning? Lord, we thank you that your Word is alive. And Father, this morning we want to tune in our spiritual ears. We ask that you open up our spiritual eyes, Lord. We, we are hungry for a fresh revelation from you this morning. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take every word and divide it into a million pieces so that each one of us walks out of here today with a fresh revelation and a new rhema word planted into the depths of our heart. We thank you, Lord, that your words will never fail and that your word is truth and it has the power to accomplish so much in our lives when we come expectant for it. Speak to us today. We are listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm expecting for the word this morning. We, as Johanna said, we were in Cape Town. Joe came with us. We brought my mom with us back to the desert. We will take her to the beach a little bit for some refreshment. But um, we had an incredible time in Cape Town, and it was, it was so amazing to be with our church there, and we had all the campuses from Uferberg in Kalidon. Um, there's even a satellite campus now in Bethel, I think is it in the Freistaat, somewhere there north, and uh, we had all of our campuses together, and we, we had a prophetic conference where we just really trusted the Lord to speak to us afresh for 2024, and then all of the pastors and the campus leaders got together, and there's so much word there's so much direction, so much confirmation that we received just for us here in Namibia, in Vintuk for 2024, that we are so excited to share with you. But you're going to have to wait until next year. We're not going to let any cats out of the bag. But all I can tell you is fasten your seatbelt. Because this train is moving. And we are really, really expectant. We're looking forward to a great resting time. But we are really, really expectant for what this next year will hold for us as a church. And when we say for us as a church, we also mean for us as individuals. Amen. And uh, so the word that I have on my heart for this morning, I started reading from the Gospel of Luke because I thought that would be a great way to start, you know, preparing towards Christmas because there's 24 chapters. If I do one chapter a day, I'll get to... Uh, the 24th, and then I would have covered the whole gospel, but I didn't get further than chapter 1. Because chapter 1, I felt like the Holy Spirit just stopped me there and gave me a personal word, which I also believe is a corporate word for us as we head into this new season of 2024. Um, and I feel like it tags onto the previous words that uh, the Lord spoke to Johannes and I for church for the year. But we're going to stay in one portion of Scripture, and we're going to read something like 30 verses. Are you okay with that this morning? This is a church that loves the Bible, so I know you would get very excited. So you can turn your Bibles to Luke 1. Luke 1, and we are going to start from the team. I said verse 5, but I think we're going to start in verse 8, actually. Luke 1, verse 8. And you're going to want to take notes, because I believe the Lord is going to speak to you through every line that we read. He's going to speak specific things to each one of us in the season that you are in. So let's listen with that ear. And I'm going to read in the New Living Translation. And it says, One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. Now, Zechariah will give some context, but he was a priest. 
His wife uh, was Elizabeth, and they were both of priestly lineage. So they were literally working for the Lord full-time in the temple. And while he was serving God in the temple, the New King James says, while he was serving. And that's, that's probably just also a word for all of our team who are serving. When you are busy moving with the things of the Lord, he starts speaking and things start happening. Amen. So while Zechariah was serving, he was busy doing the work that God had assigned him to do. He was on duty, verse 9. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by Lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. And while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. And while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. I just find it so interesting. While he was serving, the miraculous started happening. Who's ready for a miraculous encounter? While he was serving. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel appeared. Verse 12, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. I said, God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. So this is referring to John the Baptist. Okay? You are to name him John, verse 14, and you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. And he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. So angel Gabriel comes and he's the messenger angel. Amen. It's the same angel that delivered the message to Daniel in the Old Testament. And so he comes and he gives this huge prophetic promise to Zechariah, the priest, while Zechariah is doing what the Lord has told him to do. He comes and he speaks this massive prophetic word over this priest and over his family while he was actually in a place where he was probably interceding. Many scholars say that he was probably interceding. That's what the priests would do when they would enter the sanctuary, when they would be chosen to do the work of the Lord to represent the people in the sanctuary. And the Bible says that there were over 20,000 priests in the time of Jesus. So the lot would fall, literally, on one of those priests only once in your lifetime. So Zechariah, this was probably the one time he probably have waited his whole life for this task, to burn the incense in the sanctuary, and the angel comes and he gives this crazy word to him, which was probably a prayer because the Bible says Elizabeth was barren and they were already in their old age. So it was probably a prayer that he had been praying for years and years and years. And suddenly, while he was serving, the angel comes with this huge promise. Okay, so that's pretty, who would think that's pretty amazing when an angel comes and you, you know it's an angel. All right. This is Zachariah's response, however, verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. And verse 19, the angel said, I am Gabriel. 
I stand in the very presence of God. It was He who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. And this you can underline, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. And I read this story and I thought, wow, Lord, isn't that a bit harsh? He receives this massive prophetic word, but when he looks at his circumstances, it is the complete opposite of the prophetic promise, which is usually the way the Lord works. The Lord is never going to come and give us a word that matches our circumstances. Because why? The Lord is bigger than our idea of time, than our idea of what is happening in the natural realm. Our God is spirit. Our God is outside of time, outside of our circumstances, outside of our tiny little frame of reference. So God speaks to us, whether it's a promise that is in His Word that is applicable for you and I when we are children of God, or whether it is a prophetic word that He releases through another vessel. But the point is, when God speaks, it's always over and above our circumstances. Quite frankly, I've learned, even in this journey that we have been in in the last four years, my circumstances have got, in Afrikaans sê ons, dit het niks met die prijs van eiers uit te bijne. Amen. And so today's message, I feel on my heart, is actually a little bit of a shake of faith. To lift up the level of our faith as we go into 2024. We need to go into this next season with eyes and hearts of faith, with eyes and hearts of, Lord, I will believe every word, not because of anything that I have, but because of everything that you are. And when you speak a thing, it shall be so. But what is very important, and this is what I felt so stirred, and really the Lord has been speaking to me, I feel all year, that my words have to line up with His words. And that's where we get the title, Prophesy the Promise. I've been hearing this phrase in my head for weeks. I need to prophesy the promise. What does prophesy mean? It means to speak out loud. Faith has a voice. But unbelief also has a voice. And this is where we find Zechariah. All right? But then there was a second story. And so we're going to continue. And I hope you're tracking with me this morning. So we'll continue in verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. Verse 22, when he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. And then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. And when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. And Elizabeth, when she spoke, she said this, How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. That doesn't mean it's like a whisper. That means like it's an exaltation of praise that came out of her mouth. You're gonna, it's the mouth theme that we're going for this morning, I mean. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. And so it continues in verse 26. Now we move into a new scene. In the six months, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the same angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, 
to a virgin named Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And the same angel appeared to Mary and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Even though it's very fearful, obviously, everyone in the Bible, when you see they encountered an angel, the angel's first words were always, do not be afraid. So it's obviously a massive sight. But he says to her, you are highly favored. And the Lord is with you. And verse 29, it says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. And again, verse 30, he said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Again, he starts giving a prophetic word. And he says, he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now look at Mary's response. Mary says in verse 34, she asked the angel, but how can this happen? So Zachariah's response was, how can I be sure? In other words, he was looking for a sign. Mary asks a logical question, how will this happen because I'm a virgin? She's thinking, I know how children are being conceived. So it is impossible, but she doesn't ask with the same level of unbelief that Zachariah asked. And it's not as obvious in the English, but I've read multiple commentaries trying to understand what the original Greek was trying to convey, and there was a clear difference between the two responses. Zechariah had an unbelief undertone, whereas Mary had a faith undertone. So it reminds us that we are allowed to ask the Lord questions, but the difference is, can I ask a question in faith versus asking a question in unbelief? That's the difference. And it says that, how will this happen? I am a virgin. In verse 35, the angel replied, and he explains, because she's about to encounter something supernatural, and he says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say, people say, it's different than what God says, People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Verse 37, for the word of the Lord will never fail. No one sounds excited. For the word of the Lord will never fail. Another translation says, for nothing will be impossible for the Lord. Church, I pray today that this word encourages you like it encourages me every time I read over it. I need to rise to another level of faith if I want to see the promises of God fulfilled in my life in this next season. Because I have a promise, you have a promise. Collectively, we have promises. No one is left out. The question is just, who is going to obtain it by faith? Because when we have a voice of unbelief, it will affect how we walk in the promises of God. And I believe one of the keys to lifting us to that next level of faith is the words that we speak. Are our words lining up with the words of God? Because His words will never fail. My words can fail. In fact, they will fail. But if I line my words up with the word of the Lord, they will never fail. Nothing will be impossible for me. 
And it's actually so simple, but it's actually so complicated sometimes for us. I think we make it complicated. I'm speaking for myself. Nothing will be impossible. And listen to what Mary said. Listen to her words of faith coming into agreement with the promise, with the prophetic word that she receives. She says this. He just said, okay, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. She didn't have 15 other questions. I would probably have a few more. Logistically, and this is what she said. And I believe this is why she was chosen, because the Lord knew he could count on this faithful servant. She said this, I am the Lord's servant. May everything, everyone say everything. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And I feel the question on my heart this morning for us as a church is, what has the Lord said about you? What has the Lord said about me? What has the Lord said about our, what has he said about our church? And our words, are our words reflecting what he has said? Or are, are our words, my English is a big weg naar die kop, alles was in Afrikaans, or are our words reflecting what the enemy wants us to say? What we speak out of the flesh, which will fail, or what we speak from the spirit, which will never fail. We just need to line them up. We just need to train our mouths to speak what God speaks. It seems actually very simple. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Would you agree? It's a good time to say yes. Line up the words. So here we have two stories. We have two scenarios. We have two ordinary people. One, a young virgin girl in a random town that no one even knows where it is. And we have this priest just doing his thing. Once in a lifetime opportunity, same angel. Both receive prophetic words. Both speak back to the prophetic words to the Lord, but one with unbelief and one with faith. And I believe one of the reasons, this is just my personal opinion, maybe there's another revelation that you get, but I wonder, did the Lord silence Zechariah so that he was not able to speak death over the promise that the Lord had? Because the birth of Jesus was a sure thing. It's been the plan before the foundations of the earth. And John the Baptist, Zechariah was chosen to be the father to raise up the forerunner for Jesus. The Lord was not going to allow anyone to speak fleshly death words over his promise, over his plan to save humanity. And John the Baptist had a role. John the Baptist had a purpose. John the Baptist, did I say no, John the Baptist had a very important role. And Zechariah was chosen. Elizabeth was chosen. Why didn't the Lord give them a baby earlier? Who knows? But I sometimes think that the Lord uses those kind of things to show he is king and he is superior and he is over and above whatever you and I look at in the natural. Because if we could understand it, then we don't need the Lord. And so I want to encourage you this morning, what is it that God has spoken over you? What is the promise that you have from scripture or a word or more than one word that you have received that you have maybe thought in your heart, it doesn't actually look possible. Can I just remind us this morning, it doesn't matter what you and I think is possible. What matters is, will we believe a God of the supernatural? 
And will we allow Him to dictate our words so that we can speak life over His promises? That's what I felt the Lord challenged my heart on. Can we train our mouths to speak what He speaks? There's a slide on the screen that shows the comparison of what the angel spoke to both of them. He ended both words by saying this in verse 20, he said to Zechariah, for my words, not your words, Zechariah, because I can tell your words are going to speak death over this. Your words are going to speak what you see. Your words are going to speak the natural. Your words are going to kill the promise that I am bringing forth. And until you can learn by faith to speak what I speak, I'm going to silence you. And he said, my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. When God decrees a thing, it is so. And I, again, was so inspired. I feel like it's such a light word. I was so gripped on the inside of my spirit this week as we watched prophetic word after prophetic word, as we listened to the word of the Lord afresh again that reminded us of the power of God's word, his power to accomplish the impossible in our lives. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will show every one of us this morning as I'm speaking, what is that impossible in your life that you've kind of put on the shelf? That you've thought, ach, jyre, ek weet nie of jy dit kan doen nie. Ek sien dit nie. I don't even smell the hint of it. I can't imagine it. I can't work out in my amazing little brain how you can get to that conclusion. I pray that he will bring up those things in our hearts so that we can bring it afresh to the Lord and have him breathe his breath upon it this morning. Are you with me? In verse 37, he said to Mary, for the word of God will never fail. Everyone say never. The word of God will never fail. It will never fail. The word of God will never fail. But I need to know what is the word of God. It will never fail. The question is, what role does our words play? God can give us a promise, but we have a role to play. We need to co-labor with the Lord, and that's where our mouth comes in. That's where what we speak actually have power. You know, we speak about the power of words often. Let's have a look in Proverbs 18, 21. Proverbs 18, 21, the book of wisdom. Can you let my word body mystique as you let go? Awesome. I love us Proverbs 18:21 says, "Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit, and this is the one you can underline and bear the consequences of their words." We know this, our words have consequences. For Zechariah, the consequence was he became silent and mute. Until that baby was born. He did not have an opportunity. He did not have an opportunity to speak death over God's promise. But the same is true for you and I. Whatever we speak into existence has power. What we speak over ourselves, what we speak over our circumstances, what we speak over our church, what we speak over our children, what we speak over our spouse, what we speak over everything has power. Another one, Proverbs 18, verse 7. 
Proverbs 18, verse 7, same chapter, just a few verses up front, it says, the mouths of fools are their ruin. And this is hectic. They trap themselves with their lips. They trap themselves with their lips. Many times in counseling, I chat to people, and I've been there myself. I, because, because the Lord uses me in a speaking capacity, my mouth is the biggest thing I constantly need to watch. I constantly need to train. I constantly need to time and bring into agreement with the Lord. It's actually, for me personally, my biggest taste, I feel always. And for all of us, that my lips can trap me. In other words, I can speak death over my life. Nee, I can my old there were things that came through in our family and in Johannes's family, and we made a decision. I remember we were newly married, and Johannes did a sermon on the box stops with you. The box stops with me. You have the power to stop in your generation that will have a new flow and a new life in the generation, in your children and your children's children, if Jesus doesn't come back before then. Amen. The buck stops with us. And, you know, we can't blame the Lord for all of our circumstances. I feel like many times we need to look at what we are speaking into existence. Okay, are we speaking death over our finances? I'm actually renewed and refreshed in the idea of declaring the word of God. We used to do this when we were married, when we got married. Amen. I had this two-pager. I don't be honest, this is... I had this two to three pager of promises over finances for children of God. I declared it every month when we pay our tithe, when we do our budget. We used to pray and we used to read over all those things. We don't do it actually anymore to that full degree. But I'm like, let's get back to it. Why did we stop with that? I'm going to speak life over my beersie. I mean, as a child of God. Guys, the Lord gave us this word for grace and favor in 2024. But I can't just sit back and wait for the grace to arrive of the genade terrein en verbeterei. I have to get myself into alignment. Op die selle spoor as die I have to get myself into the word of God. Ek is listen kans on my Facebook. I need to get into the word of God. I need to speak what God speaks. I need to dream what he dreams. And I need to align myself. And if I find myself outside of that, then I just pray, I repent, I say, Lord, forgive me, and I come terug na die plek waar my belofte le. And I looked at our prophetic journal again, and you know, every promise, I'm talking about even if the Lord gives me something in a sermon like today. I make notes of all the sessions we attended, and so many things, as I looked through it, even last night again, I started highlighting, and I thought to myself, I'm going to rewrite these notes. They're going to go from my notebook into the prophetic notebook. That is the book that's going to be on my, in Omid Johannes, my account below, that's going to be on my bedside. And every single morning, if I wake up discouraged, because we all do, if I wake up and suddenly circumstances are chaos and nothing looks like the promise, I'm going to train myself to get back into that secret place. And I'm going to say, Lord, what is your word over me? What is your word over this church Lord, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to speak it. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to speak it even if I do not see it. That's what it is called faith. Amen. Okay. When we receive a promise from God, we need to co-labor by lining our mouths to speak what God speaks. There is spiritual power. You can make a note. It's not on the screen, but Ezekiel 37. 
Ezekiel 37 is a passage in the Old Testament that we can study and study and study. And I'm going to read it for you from my Bible. You can make a note and you can look it up. And Ezekiel, it says, Ezekiel 37, the dry bones come alive. This is a prophetic word, by the way, for everyone here. It says in verse 1, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. And so you can relate this to you if there is an area in your life and you just see the dryness of the desert. It looks to you like nothing is happening. You've been praying like Zechariah for years and years and years. Maybe you've been praying and trusting the Lord for a loved one to be saved. Maybe you've been praying for a marriage partner. Maybe you've been praying for your marriage. Maybe you've been praying for a business to get off the ground, whatever it is. And in verse 2 it says, Then he, the Lord, caused me to pass by them all. And there were many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Oh Lord, you know. <laughs> That's a good answer. Lord, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy, which means speak. Speak, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And this is what I'm going to do as we go back afresh. I do it anyway, but I've got a fresh zeal in my heart to really align my mouth in every area. If someone's going to ask me, oh, how's it going in church? No, 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 no. The word of the Lord is over our church. It's growing. It's happening. It's amazing. God's doing a great thing. When we were with JC this week again, I was reminded, I have never seen him speak death over any area of his life. Never. Never, ever. Sometimes you think, oh, he's just exaggerating. No, he's prophesying. He's speaking life. He's speaking the promises, whether he sees it or not, this, this is absolutely irrelevant. My circumstances are irrelevant. The word of the Lord is the thing that will never fail. Anyway, I digress. And it says in verse 4, He said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. O dry finances, O dry bank account, O dry relationship, O dry health in my body, hear the word of the Lord. We need to prophesy the word of God over it. Verse 5, thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And then in verse 7 it says, so I prophesied and as I was commanded, and as I, as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a noise. And suddenly there was a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. And indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over. But there was still no breath in them. Verse 9, and the Lord said again, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain so that they may live. You can continue to read. I don't have time to read the whole passage, although I feel like I want to. And the dry bones came alive. What are you and I prophesying over every area of our life? And I thought I was going to do a Christmas message, but this is the Christmas message. Jesus came to bring life where there was death. 
this cross means, and we're going to go into communion shortly, this cross means that there is life and life in abundance where there was death and separation from God. And I just think it's so powerful. Lord, remind our hearts, help us. This is a sermon of faith. And I want to encourage us this morning. Maybe you feel like you relate to Zechariah more than Mary this morning. Maybe there's an area in your life that we all go through disappointment. We all go through loss. We all go through circumstances that sometimes seem so far removed from where we believe God is taking us. And we've lost even that desire to pray or to speak life over that thing that we know in our hearts deeply we need to pray again. And the, Lord, the angel said to Gabriel, the Lord has heard your petition. And I just want to, I felt like I want to encourage some people this morning. If there is a prayer like that, that you've actually given up in your heart, I want to remind you this morning, the Lord has heard your prayer. He doesn't always answer in the way or the timing, hallelujah, that we expect. But he hears. And I'm here to remind you this morning that he cares. He loves you. He cares for you whether you feel spiritual or not. He's the God of the impossible. Do not give up on the Lord. In verse 19, the angel said to Zechariah, I am Gabriel, and I stand in minister in the very presence of God, and I have been sent by him to speak to you, to bring you this good news. Listen carefully. My words will be fulfilled at their proper time. Zechariah focused on his ability to understand God's ways. Mary focused on God's ability to do the impossible. There is a difference. And so this morning, I want to lead us into communion. There's many more things that I wanted to say, but I feel like the Lord just wants to minister to you directly. And so we're going to go into communion. And before we go into communion, I want to share this. Let me just, before I go too far ahead. Yeah, before we go into communion, let me just say this. Zechariah was a righteous man, and Elizabeth were righteous. They were doing the work of the Lord. They didn't do anything wrong. They just gave up on a promise because they looked at their circumstances instead of the Lord. But the Bible does say that after he was silent, after the baby was born, on the eighth day, the child had to be named according to the Jewish custom. And every one of the people in the village was asking Elizabeth, because Zechariah couldn't speak to them, they were asking, what is going to be the name of the baby? Because usually in tradition, the baby, the firstborn, would be named directly after the father. So they thought his name was going to be Zacharias. And Elizabeth said, his name is John. But she was the woman, she was the wife. Everyone wanted to hear from the priest, the man, Zechariah. And Zechariah signed. So the Bible says he was actually mute. He couldn't hear or speak. There's no harder. And he signaled, he asked for a tablet, and he wrote on the tablet, his name is John. And the moment he said it, his speech came back. The moment he wrote it, his speech came back. So what had happened, I believe his heart, in that time where he was silent, his heart came into agreement. His heart came into alignment. And then the Bible says, the first things he's, he did, I get it actually in this is so profound. The moment he said, he signaled his name is John, immediately God opened his mouth and freed his tongue. And the Bible says he began speaking, praising, blessing, and thanking God. 
And the first thing he did was verse 37. He started prophesying God's word over his baby John. And he lined up all of his words according to the word and the promise that Gabriel gave him on that day. He had some time to align his heart. God is the God of second, third, fourth, and sixth chances. So there is an opportunity today to bring our hearts before the Lord. If there is an area where you feel, yes, where our heart can come back into alignment, we can say, Lord, help my thoughts, help my mouth, help my heart to come into full agreement with what you had said, not in agreement with what I see or in agreement with my circumstances or in agreement with what people say. People say many things. People insisted his name needed to be Zachariah. People will speak often, well-meaning, not ill-intended. They will speak against the word of God. What did Jesus tell Peter when Peter said, Jesus said to him, I need to go to the cross to be crucified. And that was the plan. That was the promise. That was the word. That was the purpose. And Peter, well-meaning, he loves Jesus, said, no, Lord, you won't do it. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Because your words have come into agreement with the accuser of the brethren. Your words have come into agreement outside of God's word over my destiny and over my purpose. Get behind me, Satan. I won't say that to someone, but in my heart I'm thinking, I'm going to listen to the word of the Lord. And trust me, in this four years, Johannes and I have heard words, well-meaning, even well-meaning pastors. But I'm like, you did not hear the word of the Lord that he spoke over us. This looks crazy to you. This is what we call faith. Because that's the word of the Lord that God spoke to us. You don't need to have that faith. I need to have that faith. So, met alle respect, I'm going to speak what the word of the Lord says to me. Maar baie dankie vir jou, vir jou insaal. Vir jou opinie. What's that thing that, that Donnie said? Donnie Denison, he oversees the healing ministry in Pretoria for Living Word. He said this profound statement. He said, in Afrikaans, God hou nie wacht oor jou opinie nie. God hou wacht oor sy woord. Yo. God does not guard my opinion. He guards his word. When God speaks, it is so. And so Zechariah started prophesying. And you can read that whole story. Mary even started uh, proclaiming. And they both ended with a song of praise. They both ended when they received the promise with exclamation by faith. Even Elizabeth spoke this faith declaration over Mary. I am actually going to read it because it's just too good. Elizabeth in verse 45 said to Mary, blessed, spiritually fortunate and favored by God, who's trusting the Lord for favor in this year to come. Okay. Onthou nou. Jy het jou hand opgestek, nee? Blessed, spiritually fortunate and favored by God is she who believed and confidently trusted that there would be a fulfillment of the things that were spoken to her by the angel from the Lord. What is the word that has been spoken over you? And before we go into communion, I'm going to ask, as the team hands out the communion, I'm going to ask us to listen to two verses of a song. And the worship song is called Prophesy Your Promise. And the worship leader who wrote the song said she wrote the song in a season where she was so confused. She was so confused because none of her natural circumstances had any close uh, resemblance to the word of the Lord over her and over her family and over her ministry. 
And she said, I was in the Bible one day just crying out to the Lord, what is going on? Where is your promise? What is happening? Why are things not coming into fulfillment? And she said, the Holy Spirit softly just spoke to her through the word. And he said to her, you need to prophesy the promise. Your role is to speak what I speak and to wait on me. And so the team can put that on. And if the welcome team could just hand out communion for everyone and just hold on to it. And I'll end for us in prayer. All right, let's close our eyes. As we remind our hearts of our promise, when Jesus died on the cross, he spoke a promise to us. And the word of the Lord said that for those who would believe in him, we would have eternal life. The Bible says that Jesus came to give us life and life in abundance. And this morning as we receive communion, I want you to, to picture that thing in your life. If the Holy Spirit has brought up anything as I was speaking this morning, it could be a promise that is new that you're holding on to. It could be a promise that maybe you've prayed over for years and years and you just hasn't, you haven't seen any life. I want you to bring that before the Lord again this morning as we receive communion. And as we take the bread, we thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We thank you for your eternal sacrifice. Lord, that you were the perfect lamb slain for the sins of the world with the promise that we will be reconciled to the Father with the promise that we will inherit eternal life, that spiritually we will never die. We will live with you in eternity. And Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. We thank you for your promise that by your wounds, we have been healed. And we wanna declare your supernatural healing over every part of us today. Lord, we speak healing to our minds. We speak healing to our hearts. We speak healing physically to our bodies. Let's receive his body together. Thank you for wholeness, Lord, and a life in abundance. And Lord, this morning, we thank you for your blood that was shed on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And not just the forgiveness of our sins, Lord, but an entire new covenant of love, of mercy, of grace. And we thank you for that covenant. We thank you, Lord, that we can be called children of the Most High God. And because of that new covenant, all of the promises in your word are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And so we receive your blood this morning. And we remind our hearts, as you said, do this in remembrance of me as often as you can. We're reminding ourselves this morning that we are part of a new covenant. And that your grace is more than enough. And nothing will be impossible for us. Let's receive his blood together this morning.
And I just felt like in this final moment of our time together, I, I want to give an opportunity. I want to pray for some people this morning who feel in your heart. I relate to Zechariah. I relate that my words haven't always lined up with God's word over an area of my life. And you want to bring it before the Lord this morning. And you want to allow the Lord, you want to allow Holy Spirit to do something inside of you that releases a new faith to look and speak differently in the season to come. Where we're going to line up our words with the Word of God. Where we're going to see promises in our lives fulfilled. Where we're going to see dry bones come to life in the name of Jesus. And if that is you this morning, I want you to just raise your hand. We're just going to pray a prayer together. I'm raising my hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I want you to just pray after me. The reason I do this is because we're speaking it out. Heaven needs to hear our words. The spiritual realm needs to hear our words. Let's pray. Jesus, please forgive us this morning. Forgive me for allowing my heart to drift from believing your promises for my life. Forgive me for allowing disappointment, unbelief, doubt, and fear to cripple me in this area. I ask you now for a fresh impartation of your Holy Spirit. And I make a decision today that I'm going to line up my words, I'm going to line up my heart, and I'm going to line up my thoughts to your word. I'm not going to look at circumstances. I'm not going to look at outside factors, at the natural, to dictate my words. Help me, Holy Spirit. Guide me, Holy Spirit into all truth. I will speak your word. I am your servant. May everything you say about me come into fulfillment, for your words will never fail. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for our church. I thank you for every son and daughter in this room and those who are watching online. And Lord, I thank you that you are lifting us into a new level of faith as we go into this next year. I thank you, Lord, that every promise that has been spoken over us, spoken over our families, spoken over our destinies, every promise in your word that is for us as your children, will we be fulfilled in the name of Jesus? Because your words will never fail. And so I pray, Father, that you would help us through your precious Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth to speak to us afresh, to remind us of words and promises, Lord, that we can write down afresh in our diaries. And Lord, lead us to your voice. Help us to get rid of all distractions so that we can get back into alignment to your voice and that we live our lives. As the scripture says, those who are the sons and daughters of God are the ones who are being led by your spirit. Lord, we wanna go into this year completely dependent on your voice and nothing else. 
So we thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you that dry bones will come alive. We thank you, Lord, that we walk into a year of grace, of favor. And even if there are going to be challenges, Lord, we will overcome them by our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Because that's what you died to give us in the name of Jesus. I bless everyone. Lord, we pray over everyone who's going away. May you go before us, behind us, around us. May we be safe on the road, Lord. May we enjoy a time of rest, deep rest, quality time with our loved ones, Lord. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would just refresh us, Lord. We pray for specific and set times of refreshment in your presence over this festive season. And I pray, Lord, that you will bring us back safely that we will come back strong, rejuvenated, ready to move for what you have called us to do in this city and this nation in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to give you homework. Actually, this is my own homework. I'm just sharing it with you. But I want to encourage us, church, take some time over this festive season and ask Holy Spirit to speak to you afresh and write down something, even if it's just one promise, one scripture, one thing, write it down and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you to speak it and to declare it over your life and see the difference as you go through the months, what it will do in your life. Amen.